Welcome. I'm your host, Alex Avila, founder of College Career and Beyond, also known as CAB, where our listeners go on a journey and hear stories about academic, economic, political, social struggles, and or advancements in today's world. Stay tuned. Plug. CAB. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another College Career and Beyond. I'm your host, Alex Avila. And of course, we try to bring you amazing special guests. And I cannot tell you the guests we have here today. Oh, my goodness. It is a blessing and an honor to have our guest today, especially during this time, because, you know, everybody's been worried about around the world, COVID. The vaccination, who should we trust? And a lot of people have been going to the internet, going to social media, trying to figure out whether this is safe or not, and they have conspiracy theories. We have a lot of things going on. And of course, with this COVID uh, shutdown, a lot of people have been out of work, stressed, depressed. You know, this has changed the entire nation and the world, how we respond to each other, um, what, what to do next, and it has caused a paranoia that we've never seen in the entire history of the planet. So with that, be, and of course, the internet wasn't around, right? Television, because we had the Black Plague, we had all kind of plagues before, right? The Spanish Plague, and I don't even know why they call them those uh, names, but they've been around for years, but they didn't have media like we have now. So the effects and the impacts is a lot more drastic and dramatic. And let me tell you, people have been hitting me up, texting me saying, when are you going to have a doctor come on your show and talk about COVID? Who, you know, and let me also tell you, just like most people, I don't trust the hospitals. I don't trust the school system I don't, because I was traumatized. Right. And I came across uh, a specialist in the meeting. You, ha- you know how you meet somebody that's genuine, that cares that you still still have some empathy for people and understands what some of the challenges are. Well, let me tell you, with no further ado, we have the talented, the amazing, uh, let me say, special guest, special, big, big, big time special guest, uh, Dr. Mike. And I'm going to let him introduce himself because we have a bunch, of, a bunch of questions. How did he get started? You know, how did he choose his profession? And we're going to have a bunch of questions. We're going to be... Uh, with our friend Dr. Mike here for just a few minutes. And so we're going to try to get as much as we can. And, you know, we got to bring them back because, you know, we don't get, you know, we get them every now and then we get these big time guests and celebrity guests because I call him a celebrity guest because right now he is a celebrity in our county. So uh, with no further ado, thank you and welcome, Dr. Mike. We appreciate you. Love you. And um, it's great to have you here. Oh, thanks, Alex. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's actually my pleasure. And I, uh, uh, you can't you can't see it, but Alex has this T-shirt that says "Be Awesome," and you know uh, every time I've, I've interacted with, with Alex, I just think, God, that guy's awesome. You know, he's he, he's a really cool dude, and I and and I, I, and I really uh, love how he he connects with people, and uh, and I appreciate all the nice things he said, Alex. But uh, you know, it's uh, you know one of the important things in life is to stay humble, and I just realize that uh, I'm just one man, but I you know um, I'm just lucky enough to be in a, uh, in a place, in a career, uh, in a position where I can uh, ho- really hope to make a difference. And it's not for myself, but, um, and I'm at a, a point in my career where it's time to give back. So um, I, I'm giving it all back right now and trying to help uh, as many people as I can. And uh, it, it's just, uh, it, it's my pleasure to be here because I, you know, I appreciate the, the connection you have with uh, the people who listen to you and uh, and the quality of your uh, your podcasts, and uh, and I'm here for you. So just uh, uh, whatever questions you have, uh, you know, and I can just spout out other stuff too. But I, uh, you you probably know I'm I'm the health officer for San Bernardino County. So. Yeah, and and an important person uh, in our county for the last you've been an important forever, but for the last year and a half you've been famous. And so let's just go jump right into it. Like, where are you from? Oh, you know, I, I was, I'm an immigrant. <laughs> I, I came from, uh, I, I was uh, born in Macau. Macau is a small Portuguese island ne- right next to Hong Kong in southeast China. And uh, we came over when I was five years old. My dad, uh, my parents, uh, I had five children. My, par- my dad was 45 years old, and he dropped, he, uh, he had been on a list to come to the U.S. for uh, many years. And Finally got a chance and dropped everything when they, he had a chance to come to the U.S. And 
So he, with five children at the age of 45, no job, he, we came over on a freight ship. And uh, yeah, it was like a three-week trip on the ocean, uh, hit a whale on the way. And, wow. Uh, and we landed in San Pedro and, uh, and kind of settled uh, uh, into, in Torrance. And I grew up in Torrance. And, That's L.A. Um, for folks who are listening in New York and Florida. This is, he's talking about Los Angeles. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> Torrance is South Bay. It's a, uh, and South Bay, a uh, nice area. Uh, and I, you know, I kind of grew up there. I went to a, a, a high school uh, right there in Torrance and went to Pomona College and then to the University of California, San Diego for medical school. So, Wow, he, he simplified that. But you know it was a journey, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to unpack that a little bit. Um, so, okay. So the anti-Asian hate that's been going on has impacted you, right? You know, I grew up with it, Alex. It's amazing. And, you know, I, I, um, <laughs> in in Macau and Hong Kong, you know, didn't notice a thing because, it, you know, everyone was, we all looked alike, right? Uh, and, uh, but it, it was amazing to, I grew up with it. And uh, uh, Torrance is a pretty white suburban, you know, um, kind of coastal community. And, um, and I think it was just after Korean War, right, when, Vietnam was stoking up, and uh, after World War II, and uh, boy, I tell you, it, uh, and, and you know, it hit, it hit almost daily. I, I had, uh, uh, I just ran into implicit bias. You know, uh, where are you from? Uh, uh, and you know, and uh, what, uh, what, what kind of, what kind of Asian are you? They didn't use Asian, but you know, they used really pretty bad words, and they didn't care. So, uh, yeah, I. I all my life, uh, and actually in the medical world, is much less prevalent. But uh, and then recently, I I haven't seen it, but I, I certainly see it in the uh, in the news and uh, and in uh, so many of my Asian friends. So. Wow! So it was something you grew up to learn to deal navigate with, huh? And uh, you know, um, I'm a black Latino, and you know, uh, growing up with from you know, I was my parents are immigrants from Central America, Honduras. Um, I was born in New York City, and I had to. You know, at first I was just resentful and hateful and angry and, and, and angry, but I had to figure out how to navigate past that. And it's like you have to suppress your own feelings only to be successful. And I don't know if that's what you had to endure, but yeah, it's it's not an easy task. Yeah, and that's a whole other topic. But I'll tell you, you know, to come and, and, and be young and realize that people are judging you for some, you know, not even anything that you can control. Uh you know why? Why judge me? Out, you know on that, and you know I'd, I'd love we 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 could talk about a lot about this, but uh, man, you got to overcome it. You got to you got to move past it, and and uh, and, you know, and drive. You got to drive yourself and and get past those things. And and yeah, the reason I bring it up is because you know um, when we talk about hesitation or um, folks are not trusting of institutions it's always good to talk to someone who's been through that process and understands what that is. So when we have hesitancy or we don't jump into getting vaccinated or going to get the, you know, there's a reason for that and has to do with historical context and how we grow up in this country and the things we're exposed to. So I just want to commend you to that. And we're going to jump to this next question. Now, what possessed you to be a doctor? I mean, that is the most impossible. That's impossible. It's almost it's, for, in our world, in our country, is and and from people of color, it's like you're probably were the only person in your class uh, of of your descent. So anyway, uh, talk about that. Well, what possessed well, you to become a doctor? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, it, 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 partly it was my mom. You know, my mom wanted me to either be a doctor or a priest. You know, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, but I yeah, I worked I worked really hard, and you know, it, it, and it's just just like uh, you know, second. Uh, actually, first-generation Americans. Uh, you know, we, I saw what my parents went through to to get us to the U.S. and so I worked my butt off. And I'm sorry, I don't want to use those words, but I worked my butt off. And uh, okay, you're fine. Uh, you're right. Yeah. And, and my mom kind of said, "Yeah, yeah, I'd love it if you became a doctor." But then, it, but, but then, you know, as, as I got through and I started succeeding and doing well, um, I you know, I was looking for a field where I could make a difference to help people and. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you, if you work hard, you want to be rewarded for that too. So that, you know, the medical field is one of those where, you know, you can, you know, you can get rewards for your payment. You can be doing something that you feel good about. You can do something that, um, that you can 
be respected for and you can help people. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing field. And, uh, uh, and I picked it early, uh, you know, at read, uh, early college and, and never regretted it. So, you know, I'm glad you um, brought up some of those moments. So did you use the tradition? Well, I mean, your parents didn't have money, so you had to do non-traditional ways to become a doctor, right? Yeah. Um, what was Because if somebody wanted to do that now, um, what are the steps and, you know, what's the schooling and what's the requirement to become a doctor? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it, it is hard. Uh, it, it's, a t- it's a tough task. And, uh, you know, you, you obviously um, have to do well in college um, and, uh, you know, the um, and and you, you, there's a scientific part of it, and uh, uh, and there's a testing part of it, which is always difficult. Um, but you know, there, um, so, so you got to do well, and you got to take your pre-med classes, and uh, and then you got to take this test called the MCAT, the Medical College Admission Test, and uh, and do well enough because there's so many people applying for medical schools that they just cut off. Uh, they have cutoff filters for your MCATs. You know, if you don't get a, uh, a an MCAT. Um, you know, above a certain limit, then they're not even going to interview you. So, uh, so it's 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 tough. And then uh, if you happen to to, to get uh, a good enough test and your GPA is good enough, and um, and you interview and you and you get, you, you get the the right college. Uh, and actually, any accredited co- uh, med school is um, is uh, is good enough. And uh, and then you got to uh, w- once you get in, you got four years of med school. Um, and then uh, after med school, then you, you interview uh, for your, your specialty. So you have to uh, get an internship and residency. And usually internships are one, one, internships one year and a residency uh, depends on the specialty. Like neurosurgery, the residency is like 10 years. Uh, for emergency medicine, it's like three. Uh, and internal medicine was four. I did two residencies, internal medicine. And, uh, and then I realized I liked ER and intensive care. So I, I took an extra residency. So I, I did uh, uh, six years of residency, so it, it's the it's ER. a hard. You was okay. I can't do the blood. I don't know. You like you you, you was like with it, okay? <laughs> yeah. So okay. So what role are you? What role? Do you, so you went through the whole process, and now you, you've, you've elevated to this um, to this seat and to this. Um, uh, profession now. Now you went from being in the ER to now you have a new role. And explain people what is that role and and how does that pertain, to, especially to what's going on today. Yeah, yeah. The, the the my new role is health officer, and the health officer is uh, is the medical uh, lead uh, for the Department of Public Health. And our, our job as a Department of Public Health is to look after all the citizens of our county. Uh, and it's a it's a each county has its own uh, health jurisdiction or public health department and so we do uh you know we do surveillance where we're looking at flu we're looking at you know at any ebola or tetanus and you know we inspect the restaurants we you know we 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 check for tb and stds and a whole nother thing on stds right now uh alex we need to talk about that also but um but you know we've got a big syphilis epidemic going on but um but uh but but that's what that's what I do and I, I, I medically direct I interact with a lot with the California Department of Public Health and uh, I didn't go uh, I didn't go directly from ER though you know we uh, I, I really got involved with the uh, with the community I was the director of uh, of m- multiple ERs like uh, there were 12 ERs I was kind of overseeing within um, San Bernardino County and Riverside County and a couple in Arizona and uh, and then I um, I belonged to this big group, uh, medical group, and we were in 26 states. So I was the risk director for the entire wow. thing. And, uh, so you dealt with the Ebola yeah. crisis well, I did. Yeah, we helped to set up Ebola units uh, and, and, uh, and and the opioids. It's um, I was really, uh, um, I really, you know, the uh, opioid crisis was the, the biggest crisis before uh, COVID. And, um, and we're still working on that because that got worse during COVID, of course. You, you talked about, um, you know, the effect of COVID and, uh, and taking us off work and creating depression and uh, all of that's linked to opioid use and our opioid deaths have, have gone up again. So uh, it's a big job. But, but so I was involved in all that. And so when, uh, uh, when our health officer, um, had, he had to retire, uh, Dr. Okiari, uh, he had, uh, had a medical problem. And uh, this is right before the pandemic. And 
so I, I happened to be available. They asked me to step in, and uh, so here I am. Wow, wow. And you are, I mean, you, sorry, and you're talking about somebody that couldn't have been any more perfect. Let me tell you right now. So, okay, let's just jump into it. And we want to, because I know we have a time crunch, and I want you to come back to actually, because your journey, we just kind of sped through it. And and I know it wasn't as simple as as you're framing it. So I want to definitely come have you invite you, invite you come back to talk about that process and that journey because you know um, people can learn from that as well because um, it's not it's also um, being prepared and it's sometimes being at the right place at the right time that your calling happens the destiny takes you know uh, takes a whole nother um, level and so. So let's talk about COVID. What in the world? What is COVID? What is the SARS? And explain that if you can, because everybody's had people think it's a flu. People think it's just some stuff that was created by the government. Tell us, what, what is this? What, what are we talking about? What is COVID? Um, and help us understand it better. What is it? Yeah, COVID, you know, COVID-19 is, that's the disease uh, and the di- COVID, it's called COVID-19. And, and the disease, COVID-19, is caused by the virus, which is um, a SARS, uh, a coronavirus. Uh, it's, and it's the novel co- co- coronavirus. That's why it's, 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 uh, it's called COVID. So, um, so it's, the, the coronavirus has been around for centuries. And it caught, and it comes around every year. It caught. It's a cold virus. Sometimes it, and it, it's, it's a tricky sucker because uh, it, it mutates. And you know, we had, um, we had uh, uh, the MERS, which is the Mediterranean version. We had the, uh, the Eastern version a few years ago, uh, the, uh, the SARS, uh, and, uh, and, and so it, so it has a tendency to. You know, it comes yearly, usually in the winter, uh, and it causes colds. And it, it just like uh, the flu, influenza, like uh, RSV, the, which is another virus that causes uh, cold symptoms in, in babies. And uh, but this, um, you know, this uh, COVID virus uh, had a unique mutation, and it started in Wuhan, uh, China, of course, and. Uh, it had the ability uh, to uh, get away from our normal immune system, and and it had a particular tendency to invade the body, and particularly uh, to invade uh, the the small blood vessels, the capillaries. Uh, and so once it got in, uh, our body had our bodies, uh, our being uh, all the people in the world. Uh, really didn't have the immune system uh, and we'll talk about that too the, the the t-cells to kill viruses and the antibodies to help to kill the virus and and so um, this virus just had this tendency to invade the uh, the blood vessels like in the lungs so uh, all the the blood vessels in the lungs uh, the alveoli and capillaries got invaded and caused this horrible pneumonia but it also uh, once once it gets into the lungs it gets into the blood system and it spreads and it causes little blood clots everywhere in the brain uh, so uh, yeah uh, up to a third of people who have um, the uh, the virus that uh, in, have brain uh, involvement either small strokes or significant uh, uh, emotional and psychiatric problems um, causes heart attacks strokes uh, and involves the kidneys and uh, and, and you know the effect on the lungs is amazing because it's these small blood clots, and so it it really really lowers your oxygen level. I mean, we normally uh, Alex, your oxygen level I can just tell by looking at you is you know it's, your oxygen saturation is probably ninety eight ninety nine percent great, uh, and you get below ninety and it's dangerous. Uh, but uh, the, this virus uh, through inv- the invasion and causing a blood clots in the lungs really lowers your oxygen level. Um, and, and I would be talking to people in the ER uh, with COVID and their oxygen levels are like 70%. And, um, but it's, it's amazing that they were still talking. And we were uh, start, you know, when we first saw this, we were intubating people. We were just putting tubes in their lungs because their oxygen levels were so low. Um, and uh, 
slow me down if you want. But no, but I'm, I'm just in awe right now. Like what? Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's amazing. It was amazing. There was this low oxygen level. We're intubating them, and we're you know what we found? We found that the actual process of intubation, putting them on the, the breathing machine, the ventilators, was hurting them. So we were what? we noticed everyone we intubated almost died. Oh uh, my god! Yeah. So what we had to do, we, we, we backed up and they said, wait a minute, these people um, have such a low oxygen level, but they're talking and they're doing fine. We called it even a, a term, we, happy hypoxia. Hypoxia is your low oxygen. And we, because these people weren't that sick, but we were intubating them for their low oxygen. So we learned to, to, to treat it differently. We, uh, um, we learned um, to put them on this really, really high flow oxygen. Um, and... Uh, and and it's interesting, during the peak, uh, that second surge during uh, late uh, uh, December, early January, uh, when we were, our hospitals were busting at the seams, and you know we had people in the hallways, we had sick people, and we took over our cafeterias and our gift shops. And I don't know, you, you guys probably, but we, 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 were taking, we were putting people in tents and treating them out in the hospital parking lots. Uh, it was amazing, but during that time, uh, you know, we ran out of oxygen. <laughs> like they're running out of there oxygen. No more, there was no more oxygen, like the machine oxygen. Well, it was just. Whoop. Well, we, we, we were really short. And some of our hospitals, um, because we use this high flow oxygen, uh, uh, they weren't, they had the old pipes for the oxygen. So we had, we, we brought out the, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers out and we actually replumbed uh, some of our hospitals to get more oxygen through. Uh, so, wow. and that's what. That's what in, that's that's what's happening in India right now, Alex. Their uh, their hospitals are running out of oxygen. Uh, you know they're they're in the middle of a surge, like probably worse than what we had in, in December, January. But uh, so anyway, uh, wow. so that's this disease, and this is uh, and, and you know we had so many deaths, and, and our you know our um, our morgues were completely full, and we had to bring in uh, trailers uh, to put in all the bodies and. I saw uh, images of that, that people oh. were in hospitals in the hallways and body bags or they were like in a special room, not even a special room. There's these random rooms that were empty and they just put body bags in there. And it was horrifying because people were walking in thinking, what, what is this? Yeah. I, just amazing. Anything any of us have seen and, and you know, and, 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 and you got to credit our healthcare workers. And I was, I was part of that, but you know, you we're dealing with this un, invisible uh, agent, you know, this death agent. And we don't know. And we're taking care of these people that are sick and dying. And we, and we got families at home, you know. So we, I was wearing double masks from the start. And, you know, we're wearing gowns. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we'd stay in separate rooms. And we, uh, I, I'd drop my clothes and change before I left for home. And, uh, I dropped those clothes when I got home and shower right away. We didn't know what, you know, we, 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 we you know, this is a new disease. So we had to learn it. And that's why, you know, the, you know, some of the people who kind of don't trust me medicine said, well, you changed, you know, Fauci changed. And, but we, you know, we, I, we had to change because we just learned new things about this new disease all the time. So, uh, and, you know, and I commend the um, health professionals because going to work had to be scary every time you stepped into the field because you never know if you was coming back home or you was going to be, because I heard doctors and nurses were dying as well. Oh, doctors and nurses, we were hit, definitely. Uh, it's some um, really sad cases. Uh, and so it was, it was dangerous. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, hopefully some of the listeners out there just realize, you know, that uh, may not want to get the shot. I mean, just think about the healthcare workers that uh, we went to work. We went to work and we didn't know where the hell it was coming from, but we were gonna, we had to, we had to do it because we had sick people. That was our calling. So, uh. so did, was there a lot of people of color that were dying that you saw? Because I, you know, we're always curious about when it comes to people of color. Like, are we always at the, 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 the spectrum of death when it comes to some of these viruses? Yeah, Alex. It, uh, unfortunately, yes, and. Uh, you know, um, just in our county, for instance, uh, 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 San Bernardino County, uh, we have about nine percent African American, but um, but uh, they they had triple the mortality and three t yeah, absolutely and uh, and and three times the incidence, uh, uh, 
three, you're, if you're African-American in our county, and actually it's reflected nas- nationally too, that African-Americans had uh, anywhere from three to, to four times the incidence. In other words, that much more uh, uh, of a chance of catching COVID. And then once you catch COVID, three to four times the mortality, three, three or four times uh, greater mortality. And that was actually controlling other risk factors too. Like, you know, they're all we comorbidity stuff if you had lung disease, like from, you know, emphysema or heart disease and, uh, or immune problems. So, uh, and same thing with uh, the, the Latinx uh, community, uh, three to four times greater chance of catching it. Uh, same thing and, and, uh, with the mortality. And, and it, you know, and it, there's uh, so many interlinked factors for that, Alex. It's not genetic. It's the social, we call it the social de- determinants of health. Um, it's the conditions, uh, uh, it's the, the poverty, it's the, the higher living concentration of uh, living together. Um, and uh, and actually, a, a lot of it also is social. Inter- you had mentioned about lack of trust and getting regular medical care. Uh, all that w- works together. And, and that's what public health is. We, you know, we got to solve all of that. Uh, yeah, that, that becomes, you know, people, you know, um, were getting sick and they thought, you know, how, the number of people who thought they already had COVID but never got tested for it. Now, I'm not going to get tested. I already got COVID. And I know because last summer, right? And I'm like, what are you, you got to go get tested. How are you just going to guess, right? So, um, and then the people who was like, well, I just took rubber tussin and it went away. I'm like, what in the world? It is making up stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it's just what you do when you don't trust the system. You have to fall back on something. Um, did you see, did, have you come in contact or heard of any of these uh, 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 challenges? Oh, God. Yeah, Alex. I'll tell you, it's, it, it's, it's frustrating because as hard as we, we try and we, we, you know, we really have learned a lot since this time. But um, and there are people just still call this a hoax. And, and, the, and the problem is it got political, too. You know, it, it's just um, we, we got Republican versus Democrat. And, you know, that, that's not how it should be. Um, and uh, it's, it's medical. And then, you know, to confound that, probably 30, 40 percent of people caught COVID were, had no symptoms. It's called asymptomatic. So they were going around. These are the people are coughing and sneezing and uh and they didn't feel that bad, so they're out, out in public. And uh, so, uh, you know, and then they, they get tested later and they go, oh, yeah, I had it. So it's no big deal. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, That's wild. People, I have a, my brother, Tony, shout out to him. He doesn't want to get the vaccine. He, and he's, you know, educated, you know, went to the best schools and works with, you know, a big time corporation. And he's like, no, nah, I'm good. And you would think. I had to do, but it's just, I mean, it might be cultural as well. Uh, I got most of my family members vaccinated. So, um, so I'm working on more. So why get the vaccine? Cause people don't trust this vaccine. You know, Tuskegee uh, experiment has always been one of those concerns and Johnson and Johnson, you know, with the baby powder and people, and it just becomes confusing. Like, so is this vaccine a dead virus? Cause you know, usually the flu, they say it's a dead virus or is it a protein? What is this vaccine and, and why get it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, 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 the two that uh, most common vaccines are the, the, the Pfizer and the Moderna. And, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing. They're, they're, they're made with the same process. Uh, it's called messenger RNA. They're just small little snippets of RNA. RNA is the, is the molecule that makes proteins. So, you know, the protein of your hair and your skin, those are all proteins and they're all made by RNA. Uh, so the, the messenger RNA is the little piece that just goes into it, uh, that goes to the cell and says, hey, make this protein. And, and uh, so, uh, you know, it's amazing. Uh, let, let me tell you the story. But, you know, you know COVID was re- first reported as a disease, Alex, in, in uh, uh, December 29th of 2019, that's why it's COVID-19. But by, by January 11th of 2020, from December 20, we had all of the sequence of the DNA of this virus. Uh, really? Was, yes. In 13 days, our, our uh, molecular gen- genetic 
scientists had developed the entire sequence, every single uh, DNA uh, uh, component of that DNA, uh, and it was spread to 120 labs uh, in by December 13th. And Pfizer and Moderna. So this is three weeks after it was discovered as a wow. disease. Wow! Uh, wow! And yet, that's how powerful this is. That, that's how powerful and uh, our our science. You know how smart these guys are. And and uh, and and Pfizer and Moderna started working uh, together. They were sharing their stuff, and they they shared their technology and. So anyway, the, the messenger RNA and, is... Just, I'm sorry, but I just got to let the audience know that usually takes about five to seven years for folks who may not be aware. Um, with the advance of technology, now you can find these um, variants faster and break them down and, and replicate them faster than, than normal. But I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to let my audience yeah. know. Yeah, yeah and, okay. and we had to talk about variants. Yeah, but you know, because we can take... We have a COVID that doesn't appear... Right, or or suddenly we see a pattern that's getting worse. We, you know, uh, we can send it to our labs and have the whole DNA sequence, and we can find if it's a variant or not. So, so anyway, that, so they, they, but by doing the DNA, they could just uh, the the RNA is just a, an overlay of uh, on the DNA, for specifically for that spike protein, which is that you guys see the pictures of the virus. It's got these spikes on it. That's the spike protein, and this messenger RNA is just the that's just uh, the instructions on how to make that spike protein, not the virus, just that little spike protein, and so uh, they put it into the cell, they, they, they code it and you inject it, and it gets into the muscle cells, and uh, and then it, uh, it tells the muscle cells how to make that spike protein, and then uh, and that's it, no virus, and within 18 hours that messenger RNA is destroyed, that's gone in 18 hours. That's some so, sci-fi, scary, next level, like amazing. I'm like, wow, that's okay. So that's how that works. Okay. Yeah, and then it, and then and then the body sees a spike protein, produces antibodies to it, and uh, activates its uh, lymphocytes or T T cells, and and then you got immunity. You you got T cells that remember that spike protein. So it's not the whole virus at all. It's just this teeny protein, uh, the S or spike protein, and. And that messenger RNA is gone. It it doesn't get into your DNA. It you know it, it can't affect your genetics. Uh, and you know it's it, uh, it's not even new, Alex. So you know uh, and you know, I I completely uh, I, I'm so angered when I whenever I hear about the Tuskegee experiments. Uh, you know because I, it, it, I I'm dedicated to medicine and for doctors to do that uh, that you know they should have been you know put in jail. Um, but uh, so I understand that, but uh, what, what uh, African Americans need to realize that this is, this is not experimental at all. They, they've had this technology for 10, 15 years. Uh, they, they developed the Ebola vaccine. Uh, last year's flu vaccine was same technology, same technology. So, uh, and, and also, uh, I'm sorry, that I just wanted to let the audience know that um, the coronavirus vaccine. Um, at least in the premature stages, were looking at technology. They were looking at the te technology during the Ebola stage because when the Ebola broke out, the Obama administration was like, "Hey, how can we address these um, uh, pandemics, future pandemics, and these future viruses?" And that's where the technology took more of an advancement and got more support. Just to, I just want to put that for the audience. But get, I'm sorry, get. Yeah, no, it is, and, uh, and and we used it for that. And it, but you know, the funny thing we. We didn't need uh, uh, the Ebola vaccine because Ebola killed every everyone it got into. Just about it, it, that, it was that bad a virus. Uh, so when you when you kill off all your hosts and you know, no one else gets exposed, the virus goes away. It's a great lesson for herd immunity, by the way. <laughs> so, wow! <laughs> yeah. That's so we crazy. didn't need the yeah we didn't need the, the Ebola vaccine because it was it had such a high mortality. But uh, and, and so. So yeah, I'm so, not a new technology. It's not experimental, um, and I'll tell you right now, we've got over 200 million doses given out. So to all, all my African American and Latinx uh, uh, patients and friends, uh, you know, it's not experimental. Man, we we have more experience uh, with these vaccines now in terms of being able to test for safety uh, than I mean, it's as much as penicillin. We we know exactly how. You know, but, you know, I think also the concern is media. Um, 
you have one person that has a bad effect, everybody feels like it's and that could be them. Um, so the lady that passed out, the nurse that passed out on television, on loud that sh- that shook up. Like, oh no, she's on, you know. And her explanation really wasn't the best. And then uh, when Johnson and Johnson came out, because everybody was so excited about Johnson and Johnson, you know, we had these ladies who, who caught these blood clots. And can you explain that as well? Because uh, I know a lot of the conspiracies around that, uh, yeah. the media and the folks who've gotten those shots. Yeah, it it, it really kind of uh, disappointed us when we when we, we saw this, but um, we, and we just saw it in just seven seven young women, younger women under the age of uh, you know eighteen to forty eight, and uh, it wasn't us, me in San Bernardino County, but we you know we, we the medical establishment, and uh, we had by this time already given over uh, almost eight million shots, so seven out of eight million. Uh, and, for Johnson and Johnson, right? Yeah, for Johnson okay. Johnson, just seven out of you know seven point eight million, and that's not much, but it had a pattern. It was younger women, uh, and it was this kind of bizarre uh, blood clot. It was in the brain. It's called CVST, cerebral venous sinus thrombosis. Um, had a pattern to it. So whenever you see patterns and and what we call a cohorting, uh, you know. It seems more than just coincidental. So we, you know, uh, rather than just go, it's only seven out of seven point eight million. You know, the, uh, the CDC says, "Hey, pause. Let's let's take a look at this uh, because you know we don't want to run people in danger. We don't want to put people in danger in this thing that we're we're doing. It's a the vaccine is amazing. We're, we're getting a hold of this, but uh, but you know, safety's first. Uh, and, and I think." That, that's a take-home lesson I wanted uh, so many people uh, listening uh, to realize that they took this pause because it was, a, it was only 7 out of 7 million, but it's, it was still a fit a pattern. So we took the pause, wanted to study it. Let, you know, what we did then was to let all the doctors know about the symptoms for this CVSD. Be on the lookout. Do we have any more? We found a uh, few more. There were a total of 13. But again, 13 out of 8 million. But uh, and then we further found out just women, just women, uh, uh, really under. Uh, there was one one woman, sixty-two, but all the others were uh, under the age of fifty. So um, and uh, it had to do with uh, this reaction that uh, we see with another drug, which that we use in millions of people. Heparin is a blood thinner, but the body produces a, the an antibody to it that actually partially. Uh, uh, reacts against the platelets, which cause blood clots. Um, and so uh, these uh, people, uh, these, these women who get this disease have low platelets because it, the platelets clot in it. Uh, the, the, the level that you measure is low in the blood. So it, it's, it fit this pattern. We, we know how to detect it now. We know how to treat it. Uh, you know, we continue to use heparin, by the way. We didn't pull it off the market. It's very, very rare, but it's actually much more frequent uh, than what we're seeing with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, so um, so the, uh, the the pause wor- worked. We found a f- just a few more cases, but uh, CDC re released it. But now you know when we really want to caution women, and especially women under the age of fifty, women who are on birth control pills, which we know causes blood clots. But men, we, we haven't seen knock on knock on wood, we haven't seen one of these uh, clots in men at all. So men. It's, very safe in men. And, uh, and you know, the, it's a great vaccine, though. It's one time, Alex, give it just once. You don't have to come back. We don't have to track people who are moving, you know, migrant workers, uh, homeless, uh, uh, people even from nursing homes that go back and forth. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really a nightmare to try and schedule that second shot. So, uh, yeah, my mom, she got the shot. And uh, even after the news, I was like, you crazy. But um, <laughs> she was living proof that, uh, you know what, you're going to be fine. And uh, so, yeah, I just went. Yeah, I was like, yeah, me and my family was like, what? You should have got Moderna. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So give give me a time check. Uh, do we wrap up now or do we got a few more minutes? You tell me. Oh, you got a few minutes. A few more minutes. I mean, yeah. 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 I think we're OK. All right. Cool. 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 Um, yeah, because now that we're talking about this vaccine, another. Uh, so you, you, you address the side effects. Um, uh, you address like some of the instances that have, that have occurred uh, with some of these women who were really a minority. Um, and, is, you know, um, 
Yeah. And so you study that and now the science is there to address and check that. And what are the signs if people get Johnson and Johnson to go get checked to the doctor? Like what do they do if they feel like they're one of the folks that might have these symptoms? Yeah. Well, great question. Cause people sh- should know. Uh, uh, first off, um, uh, if you've had the, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine within the last three weeks, if it's after three weeks, you're clear. Uh, so it's, it's within three, uh, at the most four weeks. Um, and so it's, it's after that. And, and this blood clot in the brain, the CBST, um, it causes headaches. You got severe headaches and, uh, and it, it actually causes swelling of the, uh, uh, the, the eye nerve, the optic nerve. So you, you get blurry vision and you kind of get weak all over. Um, if you get those, uh, uh, you should probably just go in and, and uh, to the ER and, and they have low platelets, uh, this reaction. So the, in, in a clinic or your doctor's office or the ER, we can just measure your, your blood platelets. And if, it, and, if, and if they're normal, you don't have this. Uh, every single patient has this, uh, that has this blood clot in the brain has low platelets. So, so it's, a, it's a good, easy screen. Uh, if your platelets are low, then we'll go on to, uh, to you know, get the CAT scan and the MRI that, to actually show, show the blood clot. And, and, uh, and the other reassuring thing is we know how to treat this. Um, if you go in early, we'll, we'll give you non-heparin type uh, blood thinners, uh, and it's very treatable. Uh, so, okay, all right, that helps. Um, so for the for those who are listening, because um, you know we are hypochondriacs, uh, and we feel like we got all these things. So we hear something crazy in the news, and then we we think it's us. Uh, that, you know, we feel like we are the ones going through the experience, or it might be us next. Um, okay, so all right, so we tackled that because I know there was the, I had a lot of. Um, text messages and stuff like that and uh emails and so i try to consolidate these questions and ask you because i'm like i'm not a doctor don't ask me ask the doctor uh (laughs) um all right so do you believe by the summer okay there's a few questions so one is you broke down what COVID was the second we broke down how the vaccine works and third we knocked out some of the uh understandings of um, some of the side effects now we're in this uh, stage of the conversation where um, this this opening up, we're opening up and people don't know whether to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. And are they still going to get sick with COVID? So that's one uh, ecosystem of questions. Right. And then we have another set of questions is, uh, do you believe that most of us will be vaccinated by the summer? And that we'll be back in schools in these facilities, if not by the fall, by the beginning of December or next year, January. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, uh, I'll tell you, um, Alex, uh, opening up is uh, we need this. We, you know, our society individually and our society altogether, uh, every aspect of it. I mean, from an individual family, work, uh, companies, uh our ball clubs, the, the Lakers and the Dodgers. And I mean, we need this. We need to open up. Right, right. But the key to opening up is getting people vaccinated. Uh, we got to get, get people vaccinated. And you know what, Alex, we can do this. Uh, in answer to your second question, we got the capabilities. We, we cranked in terms of getting our vaccinator sites um, and um, – the, we, in terms of getting the amount of vaccine out. So we can do this now. What we need is we need people to come and get it. Uh, but we know that, and, and we're busy. We, there's a huge uh, part called equity. Uh, you know, we're really targeting our low, uh, it's called Healthy Places Index zip codes. We're going out and getting them uh, because there's people, you know, don't have phones, they don't have cars. So we're getting them, you know, we, we we can't afford. We can't afford to leave that many arms out there that that are not vaccinated. So we can do it by some end of summer. Uh, we've got the vaccine, uh, and right now we, uh, there's a whole group of people that are really hesitant. That that whole thing of vaccine hesitancy, and we and we're really studying those people. You know, that there's some people that are just hesitant, and then other people are just gonna are just refusing to do it. And you know, and and. Um, and and the re, you know the, the the people who are refusing basically, I, I, no way I'm going to take it. And it's up to twenty percent of people. Uh, there's another wow. uh, 
Yeah. Even nurses, yeah. even some nurses who are refusing to take it. Isn't that crazy? I tell you, it's interesting. Uh, you know, when we did our first phase of vaccine, we did the healthcare workers because, you know, the people are going out there uh, risking their lives. And, uh, and we found, uh, and we looked at the hospitals and, and our nursing home nurses and just found that, uh, you know, up to 30, 40% weren't, didn't take it. And we're wow. like, whoa, what wow. are you doing? Uh, so we actually went out there and we, you know, we, 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 most of them, you know, could see the science and, uh, and, and obviously they trusted medicine cause they were part of it. But, uh, so we were able to take, turn around most of them, but, but yeah, it's a new thing. It's scary. And, you know, people know people like shots, you know, uh, I can all understand all of that. But, uh, but, you know, when we started this, we're talking about, uh, you know, putting your life on the line, you know, uh, it's all relative, isn't it? And uh, yeah, it is. Uh, and you know, as you, if it, you know, I'm an educator as well. Uh, I'm a teacher. Um, I used to teach middle school and high school. Now I'm just just teach college because uh, uh, I love my high school and, and middle schoolers. But you know, it was tough. Uh, so <laughs> I just stayed at, and teach at college at the university and at community colleges as well. So um, I know the fastest spreader of germs is schools. And when schools open up, the fear is that they're not vaccinated. There's no vaccination for toddlers and little children. And people are concerned about that. Should they send the kids to daycare? Are, are they going to catch COVID? And, uh, you know, what's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to the people um, at the facility who's caring for them? Or even the middle schools or high schools or, you know, that whole because that's where the biggest spread of germs are. So I mean, what do you say to that? Actually, you know, um, Alex, they they weren't the, they aren't the biggest spreaders. We found that kids, especially up to ten years old, what we call uh, TK through six, um, they they don't get COVID as much. Uh, they get the they get these other uh, you know the uh, multi system inflammatory, uh, which is a side effect of it. Uh, but they don't have the receptors that we call ACE two receptors that that catch COVID as much. So the the, the little tykes. Uh, on ten and under, uh, sixth grade and under, uh, much lower incidence. Uh, but we realize, and in the the rate of COVID in schools reflects community in, incidence. Uh, so it, it's rare that kids spread it and it goes out this way. Although with colds, as as you know, if you have kids, uh, kids can bring bring colds home all the time and you know the family gets sick from what they bring in at school but it's uh, so it's it's interesting with covid uh it, um, the kids kids do better influenza just the opposite influenza hit, hits kids worse and more frequently so it's it's a different so we, we did vaccinate all our, our our teachers and and we, we really studied it's called epidemiology to to really study all those measures and epidemiology studies like dis, social distancing and masks and the effects and those those we, you know, if we had more time, I'd tell you there's, there's studies to show how effective those are. Um, but anyway, uh, so schools are still a danger, though, you know, because we, we're mixing our kids. So we're, we're trying to blend that, uh, the, the vaccination and the social distancing stuff like masks and distancing. And, and we're working with and there are all these guidelines that CDC and the public health uh, have put out. We have special consultants that uh, we're working with our our school districts uh, throughout the country. And so we're making it safe, but we absolutely have to open up to schools uh, because uh, our society depends on it. These kids who are our next generation uh, depend on it. Uh, and, and these kids now are going to be driving our society in you know, 15, 20 years. So uh, they're taking a big hit uh, right now. and we got to get them back. So. Nah, and thank you for um, answering that. So, yeah, we're, we're moving into this post-COVID world. Um, and so as you heard, uh, Dr. Mike has, has laid it out for us. You know, he, he explained what the virus is. He explained what the vaccine is. He, he explained the side effects and the importance of getting this uh, vaccine because, you know, we want to be back into society. We want to hug again, right? We want to be around our family members again. Uh, we want to travel again. We want to go back to school. We want to get back into these spaces because it's healthy for us. Um, so, and you heard if you don't, you know, what happens when people get COVID? I mean, you know, these blood clots that travel into your brain, your heart, the lungs, um, you know, it, it does a lot of damage if you don't get the shot. And so why risk your life 
Um, if your side effects is just tiredness for one day, <laughs> you know, you keep your life. If, if a side effects is pain in your arm. All right. You you rather have a pain in your arm or would you rather be in a hospital? So you have to make a choice. You know, uh, uh, some people don't get no side effects. And so, uh, you know, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm urging folks to get the vaccine because at this point, it's also part of your mental health. Once you get the vaccine, mm. you can relax um, a lot of these measures and go back to some type of sense of normalcy and, uh, you know, hug, kiss, you know, do the things that make us human again and enjoy uh, at least a new set of goals. Because I know everybody who's been in this shutdown has learned a lot about themselves, about the community, about their families. And there's a lot more uh, issues coming up broad, and we have to be ready to face those other new challenges Go, you know, as we get into post-COVID. So um, I just want to uh, thank you. Do you have any last words for us or comments or uh, hotlines for people to call? Or, you know, I know people get the shot at CVS, Walmart. And um, so, yeah, what, what, what last words do you have for us, uh, Dr. Mike? Yeah, I, uh, nicely said, Alex, and I appreciate uh, the ability uh, the opportunity to be able to, to, to speak to the, uh, the listeners. And, you know, we, uh, we've all lived through something that's history. Uh, and it's, you know, and, and um, uh, Eldridge Cleaver said it best, and something I always uh, uh, follow, if you're, if you're uh, not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And uh, the solution to this, uh, the solution to this pandemic that's uh, killed more people than... Uh, almost anything in history uh, is the vaccination. So uh, we, uh, please be part of the solution. Uh, and we're, we're here to help. We're here to instruct, uh, call our county hotlines. Uh, but uh, but we're going to get through this, and uh, we uh, please be a part of it. Yeah, and, you know, I call COVID, and, you know, for sure, the shot I got because I'm be traveling, and I have no, I can't afford to be trapped in some state. <laughs> um yeah. So, yeah, just, you know, folks, don't even hesitate. Stop worrying about the uh, the things that you hear in the news and think about your own well-being. Your kids will be back in school. People will be back at work. And just, just you know, just, be, just make sense of this and let's figure out how to move on with our lives. So I just want to say a big, 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 big thank you uh, to Dr. Mike. And he will be back. There's another epidemic, um, syphilis um that he needs to talk about that we haven't even addressed and we're not even talking about because COVID is kind of taking over the narrative um and so when we come back uh folks you're going to hear this other epidemic that no one's talking about that is actually hurting our children and family members and it's important uh and so take stay tuned folks um because that is uh that is something that should be national news so um, thank you, Dr. Mike. We appreciate you. Uh, much love and respect. And we welcome you back. And excellent job today. It was an honor to have you. And thank you again. And this is uh, College Career and Beyond. And I'm your host, Alex Avila. Thanks, Alex. Thank you for listening to CAB, College Career and Beyond. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find us on whatever provider podcast you listen to. Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and more. Continue listening to CAB College Career and Beyond, where we keep you ahead of the game and not behind the game.